You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. The Patchwork Threat Group shows how you can be persistent and effective without being advanced. New adware called Pirate is attributed to a marketing company's employee, and security experts worry that humming bad has potential that goes far beyond click fraud. D-Link routers are found vulnerable to remote code execution. Google patches more than 100 Android issues. Usert warns as Symantec fixes bugs in some AV products. Avast buys AVG. Blockchain's potential goes beyond Bitcoin. Thoughts on cyber workforce development. FBI Director Comey testifies before the House about why the Bureau wouldn't recommend indicting Hillary Clinton, and defense attorneys are paying close and creative attention. And cyber criminals hit the gig economy. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, July 7th, 2016. A newly described threat group, which Symmetria is calling Patchwork, is active in South and Southwest Asia. Patchwork is interesting for at least two reasons. First, and it's this that gives it its name, the group uses a tech code that appears to be assembled entirely from components cut and pasted from various sources on the Internet. And second, even with its patchwork code, the threat group has proven able to penetrate relatively hard targets. Symmetria's report says that patchwork activity was first detected in December 2015. There are indirect indications of activity as far back as 2014. The campaign, Symmetria says, seems to, quote, focus on personnel working on military and political assignments, and specifically those working on issues relating to Southeast Asia and the South China Sea. Many of the targets were governments and government-related organizations, end quote. These highly targeted attacks are, unsurprisingly, initiated by spear phishing, and their goal is espionage. The researchers specifically decline to attribute the attack to anyone, but they do suggest that circumstantial evidence points, in their view, to India. They also point out that the evidence is sufficiently circumstantial that it's also consistent with a false flag operation by another actor. The combination of operational success and low technical ability, as Symmetria's report puts it, is curious. It's also why writers at the SANS Internet Storm Center sniff at the notion that this threat, persistent though it might be, could be fairly called an advanced persistent threat. It also provides an object lesson in how the Internet itself can serve as effective R&D shop for attackers, making available commodity malware that the clever, determined, and ill-intentioned can turn to their advantage. We heard yesterday about the marketing company YingMob and its alleged connection to the humming bad adware campaign that amounts to an Android pandemic. Today, another strain of adware, Pirate, which targets Max, is attributed to another marketing outfit. Cyber Reason says that an employee of Israeli marketing firm Targeting Edge is responsible for writing Pirate. Pirate, by the way, in this case, is P-I-R-R-I-T. 
Adware is problematic and damaging even when used just for click fraud. Hummingbad has observers spooked because of the root access it achieves, and therefore the ease at which it could be converted to a DDoSing botnet or an espionage campaign. Researchers at Senrio have released details describing a flaw in popular D-Link routers. Some 400,000 devices are thought to be vulnerable. D-Link is rolling out fixes through its website. Google is also patching. It's issued fixes for more than 100 issues in Android components and chipset-specific drivers from different manufacturers, according to CSO. Some of those components are from Qualcomm, and the register thinks the patches being pushed for those are likely to be connected with issues demonstrated last week in Qualcomm's Keymaster Crypto. They speculate that the big problem and understated problem may be with Android full-disk encryption. Symantec is in the process of closing security holes in some of its AV products. U.S. CERT has issued a warning to users, advising them strongly to apply the patches as they become available. We're five days away from Patch Tuesday proper, but Microsoft has offered additional information on how to fix the group policy issues its June patches presented users. Redmond says, quote, The official guidance from Microsoft is to ensure the computer accounts have read access to the user policies you wish to have applied, end quote. And the company has gone on to explain to sysadmins the various ways in which they can accomplish this. In industry news, Prague-based Avast is buying Amsterdam-based AVG for a cool $1.3 billion. The acquisition is seen as giving Avast greater geographic reach. It's also seen as an Internet of Things play. And in private equity news, container security shop Twistlock has secured a $10 million funding round. Gatecoin, a Hong Kong Bitcoin exchange, is reported by Deal Street Asia to have raised $500,000 in equity funding as it recovers from a hacking incident. We often hear of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in the context of attacks and investigations of money laundering. It's perhaps therefore worth mentioning that there's nothing inherently nefarious about either Bitcoin or its underlying blockchain technology. The blockchain, indeed, is finding increased acceptance and utility in other applications, and Bitcoin seems no more susceptible to misuse than other more familiar forms of money. Jonathan Katz, one of our research partners at the University of Maryland, told us about a Bitcoin-themed conference he recently attended, and he outlined where and why blockchain technology is finding new uses outside cryptocurrency itself. We'll hear from him after the break. Over the summer, many colleges and universities offer cyber camps designed to prepare students for careers in security. U.S. Cyber Challenge, for example, will open its annual Delaware Summer Cyber Camp program in collaboration with four academic and one state government partner next week. Such efforts aim at redressing the familiar shortage of qualified workers in the field. Companies, of course, have their own roles to play in bringing young workers on board. We spoke with Veridin's Chris Key, who shared some insights on how you can prepare recent graduates for jobs in cybersecurity. There's a lot of people wanting to come into the cyber world. Obviously, we have a lot of open positions to truly a crisis point. And when we're assessing people and also just interacting with customers, I think one of the largest gaps that I see are defenders that don't really understand attacker behavior. What I've seen in, with some of the, the recent grads is maybe they've got experience with tools from labs and things like that, but they really don't necessarily understand the behaviors of the people that they're trying to defend against. There's an over-reliance on these tools to effectively spell out for them what's going on and to pop up and say, hey, you know, you're being owned. And the reality is that it doesn't really work that way. 
Chris Key says that once graduates enter the workforce, ongoing training is crucial and it needs to include realistic, real-world scenarios. Regardless of the university training or the certification training or the job experience, I think one thing that's critically important is to make sure that security teams are testing and training in their live environments that they're defending against. Because even if you understand what an attack pattern looks like, let's say, with Snort from testing, that doesn't mean that's how it's going to show up with the tools that are deployed in, in the uh, company that you ultimately end up working for. And so it's critically important to, you know, just as sports teams are constantly training or even militaries are constantly wargaming, you know, our defenders, after they get out of school and they get hired, need to be constantly being challenged in the environments that they're in from both the training and experience point of view. And it's not just training. According to Key, employees need a clear pathway for professional growth. Even if we're starting to fill those positions, I think that the, the companies have to have an ongoing training program and also be willing to improve that employee's standing because the challenge that a lot of organizations have is hiring somebody, training them up, and then them just leaving for another job. And so I think that you really have to, specifically in cyber right now, have a program to say, okay, we're going to bring you in, we're going to keep making you better, and we're going to, you know, here's the path within the company that you can take. And look at your cyber team as a team that needs to be continuously getting better. That's Chris Key from Verodin. In the U.S., FBI Director Comey is explaining to the House Oversight Committee the Bureau's decision not to recommend indictment of former Secretary of State Clinton for mishandling classified information. It's generally expected that Director Comey will be fluent and persuasive. Absent indictment, however, the case is thought by many observers likely to have two effects. It may be difficult for some of the former secretary's close aides to obtain or retain security clearances, and defense attorneys representing defendants in other security cases are already preparing their no-reasonable-prosecutor-would-indict defenses. Finally, do you work in the gig economy? If you do, be on your guard. Kaspersky says cyber criminals are fishing freelancers with bogus promises of work that take the victims to the legitimate AirDroid app, then send them credentials for a test account. Taking the login bait infects the freelancer's device. So if you see that bait, don't bite. And if you've already bitten, get help spitting out that hook. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm joined once again by Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and uh, head of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Jonathan, uh, you recently attended a conference uh, that was related to uh, Bitcoin and uh, blockchain technology. Uh, first of all, why don't you give us an overview of uh, what is blockchain? Uh, so blockchain is basically a distributed mechanism that allows people to keep uh, a global history of all the transactions in the system. And in this case, we're talking about uh, Bitcoin. So this basically allows everybody to keep a global, uh, a global view of exactly how many Bitcoins uh, correspond to each person or each address, and then to keep a view also of when those Bitcoins are spent and who's transferring them to whom. And so what, was the, what were the topics uh, covered at this conference? What kind of things were they talking about? Well, uh, it was actually meant, uh, it, it was a summer school, and it was intended actually to get people up to speed on uh, on Bitcoin itself, as well as current research in Bitcoin. Uh, it was quite popular, actually. Uh, in the end, they had to turn people away. Um, there were a lot of students there, uh, some faculty, but also, interestingly, a lot of people from uh, from uh, startups, people, a lot of interest in uh, developing startups related to or, or around Bitcoin, uh, and many of those were there as well. Uh, and what's interesting is that, you know, even with the popularity of Bitcoin, there's still so many things that are uh, either poorly understood or things that we'd like to uh, do better on if we could develop a next generation of Bitcoin. Uh, so people were looking at things like um, what level of anonymity Bitcoin provides and how to ensure better anonymity or to develop systems with better anonymity. Uh, and on the flip side, to come up with tools that allow uh, government officials or, or legal officials to um, uh, trace transactions and make sure that they can prevent fraudulent transactions or illegal transactions on the uh, on the blockchain. Uh, other things people were looking at um, were things like getting better mining protocols that aren't so wasteful in terms of the energy that they're using, um, and also developing proofs of security for the Bitcoin protocol itself. So what were some of the areas beyond uh, you know, cryptocurrency where people are interested in applying blockchain technology? Well, actually, people have suggested it for a number of other things since it took off for Bitcoin. Uh, I think one of the uh, uh, ideas that I've seen is to use it as a mechanism for registering public keys. So you could imagine using this as a, uh, a next-generation version of a PKI, where rather than having to rely on some central authority to um, validate the binding between a public key and an identity, what you could do is you could just publish the binding between your identity and your public key on the blockchain, and then that would serve as a global irrefutable proof uh, of the fact that that's your public key. So there's still lots of ideas uh, in, in this space for potential applications of the blockchain. All right, Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. 
That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.